how is it, why is it that even when we see clearly that we are doing something that is just not good for us, it's not enough in its own right to prompt us to let it go or to change that. How much are we willing to suffer to continue to uphold the idea of myself that I am invested in. Well, there is a correlation between the speed and willingness to let go of the idea of ourself and the speed at which we transform spiritually and, to a large degree, are capable of healing if that is what we need. So, you know, as we progress with this work, keep an eye out for this tendency to slip into the victim mentality or the saboteur mode or to lock yourself in a state where you see yourself as fundamentally invalid or, yeah, incapable. So important. So I've had emails from people saying that although it was an extremely bitter pill, or like a slap in the face with a wet fish, it literally shocked them out of a state of sleep, which they hadn't recognised, and brought them into a state of presence where they saw clearly for the first time just how much they'd been holding themselves and defining themselves in this state of unwellness uh, almost to the point where it becomes a comfort zone of choice that we just habitually keep returning to. That's why I call it the elephant in the room, because it can be there staring us in the face and we don't spot it. Anyway, enough of that. Very important, though it is, it's time for us to move on. This evening we're going to start to look at the two, we need to look at them in conjunction to a degree, but also separately, the two systems that really are the closest interface between our consciousness and our physiological functioning. And they are our autonomic nervous system and our endocrine system. So another fundamental principle of healing, which of course, if you were on the Internal Alchemy 60-day program, I would have, you would have had this drummed into you right at the beginning, but it's, of course, it's relevant here. So it's worthy of rep repetition, and if you're new to this work with me, then it's definitely important that you hear it and register in the same way we register things like the saboteur, we need to register this simple basic fact. Our body does not heal itself when the autonomic nervous system is in a sympathetic state. Our body copes with stress when it's in a sympathetic state. And it can raise its game to cope with increasing levels of stress in what we call a hypersympathetic state 
we can get more out of the system by pushing ourselves and driving our autonomic nervous system into a hypersympathetic state. But we are only coping with what we're doing to ourselves. It's a bit like being in the water and swimming is just how you stay alive when you're in the water. You're thrashing around just to stop your head from going under so you don't drown. Our sympathetic nervous system is there to give our system a boost when we need a little oomph. Now, I would hazard to say, well, I can't say how it is now, but when I first started teaching, I would have said that more than half the people that came to learn meditation with me, significantly more than half, ran their life in a sympathetic or hypersympathetic state. Their nervous system was in a coping state their entire time. And it's very, very easy to do. In pushing ourselves to get a little more out of ourselves, rather than raising our capacity so that we're capable of more, we drive our system into this sympathetic state, this stimulated state, so that we are able to access more energy. Our mind doesn't tire as quickly. Our body seems to have more energy when we are stimulated. Now, the reason we do this is because we set our life out in terms of what I want and perceive as possible without recourse to how am I equipped or how capable or able am I to ask that of myself that would make that possible. I do not think that I, I could probably count on one hand the people who I've met in my life who, whose instinct is to lay out their stall in life in terms of what they could come by from a state of ease and comfort. Almost everybody, when seeking to get the most out of life, looks at what's the most I might be able to ask of myself or in order to get the most. Now, you know, what that does to us, that locks us in a state of stress that means we never experience ease apart from when we are unconscious or switched off, i.e. very distracted, like vegging out in front of the television. Because we just do not feel at rest within ourselves when we are in a hypersympathetic or stimulated state. That system that part of our autonomic nervous system that means I can switch on or draw upon reserves when I need them, is there, should one day you find yourself being chased through the jungle by a saber-toothed tiger, 
and you really need to get out of there fast. It's not there so you can multitask all day long doing things, just managing to get things done by the skin of your teeth and never feeling like you're quite on top of everything because you just got too much to do. It's not what it's for. Giving ourselves too much to do is asking too much of life. It's greed. Now, you know, we can all find reasons for finding ourselves in a state where what's asked of us is more than we can do from a state of ease. Even I would say that popular culture would suggest that we should be always challenging ourselves to achieve more. You know, how fundamentally flawed is that perception? I mean, if I could explain to you where that really comes from, you'd be horrified. You'd be horrified that we would build our culture, our social culture, our modus operandi, out of the idea that the root function of my life is to achieve and get more. In the world, I'm going to talk big sort of cosmic picture to you here now. So just forgive me for a moment. But in the world of more than just us, there are devas that live on virtue and delight in the quality of their experience. And there are azuro beings that are competitive by nature and always seek to consume as much as they can. Sometimes these virtuous beings, shall we say, hold the order of the day. Sometimes these competitive beings hold the order of the day. We sell out our delight in simple virtue and kindness and the delight of being to the greed-rooted pursuit of more, and then jump on the bus as if it was obvious that we should be doing it. So much so to the point that when one says, I'm sorry, but I don't want to do all that, they get looked at as a cop-out. You know, this is how deeply rooted this fundamental flaw in our psyche is that we would live our lives in such a way that in order to do it, to live our life, we have to ramp up our system and live in a state of stress that gives us no sense of ease. And then we're surprised to find that the average human being in the first world, fortunate middle classes, can expect 10 to 15 years of ill health at the end of their life. Why? Because in two-thirds of our life, we've extracted everything we should have spent our entire life getting. Because we're driven by greed. Now, 
Sorry that I had to say that, <laughs> but you know, that's Dharma. This is living Dharma. Our sickness is Dharma. Our well-being is Dharma. Our state of being is a reflection of the way in which we have organized our life. So, healing does not happen when we are in a hypersympathetic state. Coping to an extraordinary degree with things we should never really be, have to cope with, we can do. And we can do it for years. We can live our life in a stimulated state, always feeling that I'm just on top of it. And never experience a state of deep ease and then wonder why one day we go for a checkup and find out that we are riddled with dis-ease. Now, if you're one of those people that are experiencing ill health or starting to see wear and tear upon your system and you're not yet old, how did that happen? I mean, were you at the cold face, chipping away, physically wearing yourself out? Has your body been battered? Or has it been worn out from the inside by asking too much of yourself at a consciousness level so that you are never at rest or deeply at rest within yourself? To switch on the healing mechanism that you would want to have access to, we want to learn how to heal the body. You have first got to switch on the parasympathetic part of your nerve system. And if you want healing to be the sort of or rep, uh, uh, reparation, restoration, rejuvenation, to be your state of being for a sustained period so that you can recover for a, from a sustained period of ill health, you have to learn how to stay in a parasympathetic state and not switch back into that state of coping. Now, I see people switch into a parasympathetic state the moment they pick up a phone and start talking with their friends. They start breathing and holding their breath like I am now while they're talking. They start talking much more quickly. They start over-animating themselves. They speak in a muddle with a raised voice, not really listening to what somebody else is saying, spewing their story endlessly, <sighs> never catching their breath, and all the nerve tone in their body becomes tighter, simply in the process of having an ordinary conversation with somebody. So imagine how that translates when we're trying to work out how I can get from where I am now, where I've got this house that I'm living in and this car that I have and these clothes that I can afford and this food that I'm eating. To I'd like a bigger house, a bigger car, nicer clothes and more delicious food, etc. And a membership at the golf club or at the sports club, etc. And a holiday, no, not to Europe, but to the Caribbean, 
etc., etc. And what we have to do to ourselves to extract that much more out of life to the point that when we can get to the Caribbean and go shopping in these more expensive shops to buy more expensive clothes and are running a house that costs twice as much to run what it's cost us energetically to get there, not just financially, often means that by the time I've got twice as much apparent pleasure, sensual pleasure in my life, I'm getting half as much delight from it. Because I've sacrificed my state of ease in the pursuit of more. It's absolute nonsense. Nonsense. You know, I'm going to tell you a funny story. I, I had a friend who, when I was building my place in Bali, built a place in Malawi. A similar sort of thing, a health uh, retreat, a little bit more upmarket than mine. Anyway, I hadn't seen him for years and we met up somewhere. I can't remember where we met up and we were catching up and he was telling me about his stories I was telling him about mine he told me about a client that went to stay at his place on Lake Malawi and flew in there on a private jet and then got a private helicopter out and then a private boat to the lodge and on the morning of the first morning and had like a second boat turning up with their own personal staff and entourage and all the things they brought with them. And his wife, on the first morning, realised that they'd left her favourite breakfast cereal in New York. And you know what they did? They sent the pilot and the butler back to New York to get it. And two days later, somehow they turned up with this breakfast cereal. Now, what kind of misery are these people living in if they can't experience delight in probably one of the most magnificent natural spots on God's earth if they don't have the breakfast cereal they need, you know? That's what it is to live in a highly overstimulated state where we can't cope if we don't have exactly what we want. So, you know, there is quite possibly a law of diminishing return the more we have to challenge ourselves to get the things we want. So where does this being highly ambitious thing fit in to our real longing and need. Well, maybe we've let go of longing. We don't long to be happy, but our need to feel happy and be at peace with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I see it all the time. I see it all the time. People who have everything you could ever imagine and who are completely exhausted, rinsed, nervous wreck, can't sleep properly, digestive problems, you know, anxiety problems, surrounded by luxury because they're living in a hypersympathetic state. Yeah. So 
this autonomic nervous system of ours, are you someone who is suffering from ill health because for a long period of time in your life, you drove yourself to your limit thinking that's what you needed to do? You know, the crash and burn. How many times do I see a high flyer come to me with colitis or gastric problems or heart palpitations or insomnia, anxiety? You know, it's a, a shambles that a life full of such fortune should be miserable. It really is, because it's, you know, damaging at every level. So, I talk all the time about the virtue of simplifying our lives, because it creates less of an impact. It, it costs less to have us here. The more lightly we can tread, the, yeah, the greater is the merit of our life. So there's the obvious side of, yeah, you know, we can't all afford to just have everything we could ever dream of because the planet just can't cope with it. But what it does to us to be driving ourselves in the pursuit of more all the time, it doesn't bring happiness. I don't see it. I do not see a correlation between how much I've got and how happy I am. I don't. And I see now an increasing correlation between that much I'm simplifying my life and creating more space and how much happier I feel. So if you don't have room to breathe in your life and you are suffering health problems akin, you know, that one would perhaps put in the bracket of stress-related, it's because... You've lived your life or driven your life or run your life in an overstimulated, hypersympathetic state. So, that restlessness, if you feel it or if you felt it when you first ever started to meditate, when you first turned up in your first meditation class and someone says, sit cross-legged on the floor and don't move and just try and concentrate on your breath or whatever you were taught, and you felt like you had smoke coming out of your ears, that is being hyper-stimulated. When you feel restless to the point that you have to pick up your phone every 30 seconds or every minute to distract yourself from how you feel, it's because you are overstimulated, Or you have to put music on or put the television on. You can't just sit quietly and just be there with nothing. It's because you are overstimulated to the point it's uncomfortable to be you and you're just coping. All right, so how do we switch this autonomic nervous system around? That's my rant on the importance of not asking too much of ourselves. Um, I remember giving a talk like that once in London and being shouted down. But what of ambition? And I just didn't know what to say. 
you know, well, work it out for yourselves. If you ask more of yourself than you can comfortably give, sooner or later there's a payback. And the point is, you know, there we are when we're asked to set our stall out. And we do it in terms of what's the highest vision of what I could possibly achieve. I mean, I did it myself with my clothing business when I was younger. I thought, oh, yes, I'm rather smart. And I can see that if we had these shops in these places and these kind of clothes and if I could make them. But I didn't stop and go, hold on, what if I look at what I've got to bring to the party? And work on that. Just driving myself, driving myself, driving myself, only out of the perception that it might be possible. Not once turning backwards and going, hold on, how much have we got in the tank? So everything I taught you on the internal alchemy course was about taking care of what you've got in the tank. So you use wisely the vital energy that you've got. And then make wise choices. Having plenty of energy so that from a place of comfort and ease I can get great things, do great things with my life. That's a wonderful state to be. But overreaching endlessly brings no lasting reward. So, right. That's my little talk on the sort of, what should we, bigger picture, sort of the macro idea, notion of living our life in a stimulated hypersympathetic state. How do we turn it around then? How do we turn it around? Well, there are some basic physiological clues. I often ask you to sigh, don't I? Use your out breath <sighs> to release the charge that you're holding. You know you never sigh when you're in a hypersympathetic state. You ask someone who's in a hypersympathetic state to sigh and they go, <gasps> it's a huff, it's not a sigh. And you never yawn, you never yawn no matter how exhausted you are when you are in a hypersympathetic state. And if you are exhausted and you just switch yourself into a parasympathetic state, and your system starts to ease, you might find yourself yawning endlessly. How many times do I have someone telling me, oh, I was yawning in the, right the way through the meditation, I was yawning. That's because from being in a stimulated state, probably quite exhausted at a root level, they just switched into that relaxation state response. And the next thing you know, you're yawning. Oh dear, lovely. So keep an eye out for these two markers. <sighs> Make it a habit of sighing when you spot that you've started to tense up. Oy. That Just that out-breath with a sigh sends that charge downwards through your vagus nerve in the throat and downwards into your belly and reverses the upward current flow of current that is stimulating you. Hello. Likewise with the yawn. Lovely. So, go on. Before we do anything else, just give yourself a little 
test. See if you can take a really big sigh, a sigh of relief. It's called a sigh of relief. It's like at the end of a period of challenge and it's done, it's like, whew. And we don't do it and we can't do it while we stay in our stimulated state. So I can't hear you, but do it now. Breathe in. And a big sigh. If you find yourself huffing rather than sighing, it means you haven't learned to switch off your stimulated state. Now, oh dear, it, I know it's like a bit contrived, but sort of let yourself start to feel a bit yawny and see if you can have a proper yawn. Oh dear. <laughs> Yawning is like the sign that the body gives us that it's switch off, end the day, wind down time. Have you not yawned for a long time? Do you find you never yawn even when you're exhausted? That's also a sign that you are locked in a stimulated sympathetic state.